I'm going to share a message entitled, What is God Saying to Us Today? In the light of what's happening globally, I think it's very important that we now go back to Scripture and look at Scripture so that whatever that we see happening in the world, we do not see it as an isolated case, but rather see it in the light of Scripture. When we do that, then fear is gone because we know and we know that whatever is happening in the world today does not happen by accident, but God is still in control. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to uh, use Haggai and Hebrews and share with you, uh, in my opinion, whatever is happening in the world today uh, is a warning as well as a wake-up call to all of us. So we know that in Haggai, chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says, the prophet Haggai, 500 years before Christ, I will shake the heavens and the earth. But the amazing thing is, this Old Testament prophecy was taken up by the writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 to 29, and this is where I get my text from, and it's repeated again. So in other words, it is not only an Old Testament prophecy, but something applicable in the New Testament age today. So let's read together Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 to 29. Can you all read with me? All right, left to right, front to back. Are you ready? Read out loud. One, two, three. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God with reverence and awe, The word warn is mentioned twice. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? So when God speaks, there is a reason why he speaks. He's got something to say. So, we must listen. And this has been the theme for the last two months in this church. Ever since the beginning of the year, when we look at a prophet Haggai, when God speaks, again and again in the prophet Haggai, God speaks. God speaks. So, in the Hebrews, it says when God speaks, he used the word warn. 
twice. What warns us? Alarm systems warn us. So one of our church members used to work in an alarm system management company. And this is what he sent to me. He says that a good alarm system says this, they are the primary and sometimes the only means of advising an operation of an abnormal event or process condition in a plant, in a house, in your office, in a factory. But the purpose of the alarm system is fourfold. He says a good alarm system carries four purposes. Number one, a good alarm system detects an abnormal event or condition in a process plant. And not only that, it goes on to indicate as well the severity of the problem. A good alarm system. Huh? And more than that, it will then guide the operator in diagnosing the process condition. But more important than that is the fourth purpose, when it will allow sufficient time to rectify the problem. When God speaks and He warns us, all four purposes kick in. It is not only to tell you what is wrong, it is also to allow us to understand the severity of the problem and not trivialize it, guide us into the event, into the cause of it, but more important, this very important, listen to me folks, allow you time to correct and change course if necessary. Again and again, when God speaks, and I've heard me say this many times, and I will repeat it again until there is no more time. If you don't listen, time runs out on you. The question I ask myself, therefore, is that when God speaks and it's an alarm system, is it therefore an alarm bell which warns us, or is it an alarm clock which wakes us up? Every morning when you wake up, the alarm clock rings. It doesn't warn you, right? It wakes you up. So the question, therefore, is it an alarm clock or is it an alarm bell? The answer is both. And my premise is that when God speaks to Scripture, and I want to share with you what are the seven things God is saying to you and to me today in a light of world events, and we better take note. Why? Because it is to warn us, alarm bell, siren, warn you of fire, warn you of war, warn you of the, of the coming of the thief, but it is also an alarm clock to wake you up from your slumber. I want to make a disclaimer. I'm not a prophet of gloom and doom, understand? So when I share this with you, I'm not instilling fear, but I'm just putting reality. And so today would be a reality check in the light of Scripture. I want to be as comprehensive as possible in the time given to me. So 
Let's begin. The seven shakings of God. The seven shakings of God that are operational and working today. And the key question we ask ourselves, are we listening? First two, I'll deal with it together. We read again in Hebrews, replicated from Haggai. God says, I will shake the heavens and the earth. So if I were to juxtapose the two portions of Scripture together, it would look like this. This is what the Lord Almighty says in Haggai. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. The writer of the book of Hebrews then said, at that time, his voice shook the earth, but now, now, he has from In other words, it is current. It is contemporary. It did not happen in the Old Testament times. But now, in New Testament days, today, once more, God says, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. What does God mean? I don't have to tell you that over the years, natural disasters are mounting. These are things I get from newspapers, clips. Just put them together. But you say, Pastor, this has been happening for years. So what's a big deal? As long as I'm alive, there has been all these things happening, right? True. But if you look at the last 100 years, the incidence of natural disasters have increased exponentially. Something is happening and it'd be better take note. I don't have to tell you, just in one continent alone, this year, in one continent, or one landmass alone, in one year, last two months, three of these things happened. Drought. Two to three years, no rain, no. I thought, wow, in Sabah, one month, no rain, the, 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 the grass is parched and, and we, there's water cut and so on and so forth. But two to three years, what? Not a single drop of rain. And that is the reason why the bushfires were so rampant. They were just waiting to be ignited, you see. And millions of hectares of, of forests were just burnt away, lives were lost, homes were lost, and a billion animals were just perished. And after that, floods came. What? Would it never end? God is thundering a message. Are we listening? Now, I don't want to over-dramatize this, 
But I just want us to look at what is happening in the world today because God is using a megaphone telling you, telling me in the light of Scripture and we better take note. But you say, Pastor, these are not shakings. We're talking about earthquakes, right? Okay. In the last 50 years, the intensity and the frequency of earthquakes have increased. In the last 50 years, from 1965 to 2011, and these are only of magnitude seven to seven, six to seven, no. These are not, no smaller ones, you know. Not five, not three. The earth is rumbling, you know that? I was told that this year alone, there are over 1,000 earthquakes. I don't know where they, but it's true. The earth is shaking. Are we listening? The earth is shaking. Are we... When I look at this, you know, something... I, uh, it, 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 is, it reminds me of my obstetric days. You know, when I go to the labor room, we look at charts like this because it tells me that as... Delivery is imminent. The intensity and the frequency of the contractions increase. And it looks very familiar because, and it's very scriptural. Because Jesus says in Matthew 24, he says there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of birth pains. Something is going to be delivered. What is it? The judgment of God. But you say, Pastor, you are dramatizing things. Really? 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 What about famines? You know, recently there is a huge swarm of locusts from the desert, you know. These are desert locusts. That's why Mecca is swarmed with locusts. Mecca! And it swept the locusts from the floor. And it swept through many countries in Africa, eating everything that's on the way, and it's now moving towards China. There will be famine. There will be food shortage. It's foretold in the Bible. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. But you say, Pastor, it has been happening all the time. So what's the big deal? True. But never so intense. Never so frequent. And we are waiting for the big one. They predict that it will happen 100 years after the big one is long overdue. Two zero one five Hollywood did a movie starring Dwayne Johnson called San Andreas. Hollywood is very prophetic. Believe me, 
Hollywood is very prophetic. I told you I'm not a prophet of gloom and doom. I'm just sharing with you what, in my own perspective, is being unfolded in the world today. And we better listen. You know, not all of this are natural. A lot of this is man-made. For the first time in Antarctica, the temperature rose to 20 degrees centigrade or 64 degrees Fahrenheit. Antarctica, I know. So the ice is melting, the sea is rising because of excessive carbon emission and deforestation. We rape the forests and we pander to the greed of man. Not far away in Sabah, Sarawak, we used to pride ourselves on the rainforest of Borneo, right? But today, the rivers of Sarawak are choked by timber. A lot of pollution. The fish all die. Amazing thing is this. The earth fights back. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 24. And the prophet Isaiah 700 years before Christ already predicted all of this would happen. And I will read to you Isaiah 24, verse 1 to verse 7. He says, See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. It will be the same for priests as for people, for master as for servant, for mistress as for maid, for seller as for... In other words, no one is spared. It doesn't mean that just because I'm a pastor, therefore I'm spared. No. Just because you are, go to church, you are spared. No. The plague, the famine, affects everybody. That's what he says. For priests, for people, for master, for servant, for mistress, for maid, for seller, for buyer, for borrower, for lender, for debtor, for creditor, and the earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. The earth dries up and withers, the world languishes and withers, the exalted of the earth languish, the earth is defiled by its people, they have disobeyed the laws. What laws? Environmental laws. Natural laws. The earth is created by God for us to enjoy. And therefore, we violate its statutes. What statutes? Environmental statutes. And broken the everlasting covenant. What covenant? The covenant of the earth. And man's greed breaks all of this. And therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. And therefore, earth's inhabitants are burnt up. Prophecy 
fulfilled. The floodgates, verse 18, of the heavens are open, the foundations of the earth shake, the earth is broken up, the earth is split asunder, the earth is thoroughly shaken, the earth reels like a drunkard, it sways like a hut in the wind, so heavy upon it is the guilt of its rebellion that it falls never to rise again. The earth fights back. The third thing God will shake is that God will shake created things. Not only will God shake the heavens and the earth, God will also shake Scripture, Scripture, Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 to 27. Read with me. Are you okay? So let's read. As I go along, follow me with Scripture, all right? Let's read. Let's read Scripture so that we have understanding the advantage of us Christians we have compared to pre-believers is that we have the Word of God, understand? So we have the Word of God, so we read it, understand it, and then we respond accordingly. So let's read together, Hebrews 12, 26, 27. Ready? One, two, three, loud. One, two, three. What can be shaken? That is... Very clear. Created things. So what are created things? Created things as differentiated from natural things. So man-made things. Things that we create out of our creativity, created out of our innovation, whatever it is. Created things. So instead of telling you what our created things are, I choose to list four things, our philosophy of life, that that governs us because of created things, and it is materialism, worldliness, mammon, and idolatry. Worldliness, materialism, grips us. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life, nothing wrong with doing the things and getting the things that we need and want. But more importantly is, does it grip us? Mammon, mammon is the god of money. Jesus himself says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Listen, when I say this, and I, I shared this 10 years ago, you know that? This message was shared 10 years ago. And when I revisited the message, I had to change a little bit. Why? Because things have moved on. I was so amazed. When I shared this message 10 years ago, I was right in the middle of a contentious issue with a very rich man. And in the middle of this contentious issue, people label me as anti-rich. I'm not anti-rich. Why? Because I'm not poor myself. I've been a doctor for 27 years. Do you think I'm poor? And my wife was working as a doctor as well. Do you know that she was uh, 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 working for Dr. Gwen Smith in Pantai for several years as a pediatrician? And she had her own business. And, and my family is not poor either. Neither is my wife's family. 
So I'm not poor. I'm not, I'm not rich. I'm okay, you know what I mean? But I, I'm, I'm, I'm not anti-rich. But I'm just putting reality into our lives. So that we cannot discount the fact that we do not chase the God of money. So the key is this. What do you cleave to? What do you cling to? Wealth then becomes an idol. So what is a modern-day idolatry? Tim Keller, in his book, Counterfeit Gods, define what modern-day idolatry is. It is something or anything more important to you than God. What is more important to you than God? Chasing money? If that is more important to you than God, then it's an idol. Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination more than God. What do you think of? In the midst of your work, in your marketplace, where is God in all of this? That's the key question. Anything you seek to give what only God can give. Tim Keller, no nonsense. Either God or nothing. And that's God. No man can usurp His glory. If anything takes the place of God in your life, that is an idol. You know, the prophet Jonah, to me, gives one of the most compelling indictments against idolatry that I know in Scripture. Why? Why, why is that so important to me? And I'll show you, with you that verse. It was because he was dying. When a man dies or is dying, he will say things which is truthful and spontaneous and not scripted. So, Jonah was dying. How do I know he... And he died. How do I know he died? Because Jesus said so. True, yes. Jesus said in Matthew, as Jonah was in the belly of the fish, three days and three nights, so it will be for the Son of Man. So did Jesus die or not? Yes. Did Jesus rise again or not? So Jesus is now comparing what will happen to him to what happened to Jonah. Correct or not? So Jesus died. I mean, Jonah died and Jonah was resurrected. So in the belly of the fish, as a dying man, he uttered these words in Jonah 2 verse 8. He said this. He didn't say, Lord, forgive me even though he needed to be forgiven. But he said this, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. What? A dying man? Truth. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. You forfeit. It was, it was yours. You forfeited it. Why? Because another idol, another God has now gripped your entire attention, your heart, your mind, your imagination. 
as an idol. And those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Are you listening? God will also shape the financial systems of the world. You know, one of the things that is happening today and has gripped the attention of people is how to contain the coronavirus. That's the main thing. How do you contain it? Hopefully when the temperature rises as we go to spring and summer, but it's a long time to come, you know, heat and sun will kill the virus. It will stop sometime, but at the moment, it's ravaging. What is not certain is the economic impact. Because no time uh, to think, uh, right? But already we know, even this week in the newspaper, I just picked up certain headlines. Singapore, Thailand, Japan, Malaysia? Worldwide? So we have to brace ourselves. So you cannot say to me, Pastor, I don't care. Are you sure? We don't know. God will shake the entire economic system of the world. We know it, and yet we don't know it. It will happen. Why? In Revelations 18, go and read it. Mighty Babylon will fall. Go and read the whole of Revelations chapter 18. Mighty Babylon will fall. And very interestingly, I read through it again just a couple of days ago as I prepared this message. Very interestingly, I never saw it. I only saw it this time. Only two events, two conditions are mentioned in Revelation 18 that will cause the fall of mighty Babylon. Number one, the plague. Number two, fire. Interesting, huh? Only two things are mentioned in Revelation 18 that will cause the fall of mighty Babylon. Number one, the plague. So it, could it be that disease will now cause economic, I would say collapse, huh? slow down? Or will it be the San Francisco fire? Don't know. But it's all there in Scripture, my friend. Listen, I repeat, I'm not a prophet of gloom and doom. I'm just telling you what is in Scripture and we better take note. Fifth thing God will shake 
is that the spiritual forces of darkness will be shaken. The spiritual forces of the Antichrist will be unleashed. In other words, more and more we will see opposition and persecution against Christians in particular. More and more Christian martyrs this day than any other day in Christian in history. As I speak, churches are being burnt in Africa, everywhere. Other dark forces are being unleashed as well. Lyndon LaRouche, in his thesis, The Theory of the Satanist Personality, says this. He says that today, over a period of more than 100 years since the circles of John Ruskin, Fyodor Tatovsky, and Friedrich Nietzsche popularize the satanic age of the Aquarius. What is the satanic age of the Aquarius? Do you know that in 1970s, a musical came out called Jesus Christ Superstar? And they popularized the song, the Aquarius. And since then, in the 1970s, it launched the age of the Aquarius, the, the new age movement. It's the age of the Aquarius. Relativism. Today, young people, is relative. Everything is relative. Modernism, all the various terms, it started from there. And the amazing thing is, it's being reprised in the West End this year in London. And so ever since then, it launched the age of the Aquarius, Western European civilization, has undergone an experience which parallels in essential features the process of degeneration of Europe leading to a new dark age. I don't have to tell you, 10 years ago when I presented this message, and 10 years today, Europe is darker than ever before. He goes on to say, the spread of explicit Satanism has now entered a phase of large-scale mass organizing. The enemy forces are also emerging. That's why it's so important if you have children to anchor them in the ways of God before you send them overseas to study. Don't send them so early. Why? Because you need to anchor them in the things of God. And then you send them out or else you expose them to market forces which they are not or ill-prepared for. And you don't blame God huh? because you have never anchored them on the things of God when they are young. One other spiritual force. Ten years ago, this was nothing. It was just LGBT. Today is LGBTQIAPK. Yeah. I didn't know until I looked it up. L is lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, 
asexual, pansexual. Pansexual means sex with everybody, including beasts. And if you do not come into any of this category, K is kinky. Is that real? Jesus says, in the last days, as in the days of Lot, what was the predominant sin of the days of Lot that God had to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Homosexuality. When the two angels came, they were so handsome, you see, that the entire town of Sodom and Gomorrah were pounding the doors of the house of Lot. And even if Lot offered his two daughters, you know, they said, no. What? How pervert can that be? And today, you know, the force of homosexuality is so strong that it can stop Franklin Graham's crusade in England. Do you know that? And these are coming from mainline denomination churches. They're scary. Mainline denomination churches because of his stand on the LGBT issue. Spiritual force. Anti-Christian. Are we listening? As in the days of Lot, but Jesus also said, I didn't put it down, as in the days of Noah, so it will be in the end days. What? What is the one thing as in the days of Noah? Mixture. Mixture. The sons, the angels came down to have sex with the ladies and Nephilims came out. They were supermen. And today we are cloning and distorting the very image of God. They just injected a human DNA into pigs. As in the days of Noah, so it will be. Scary, man. Scary, man. But the key is this. Are we listening? As we look at what is happening, unfolding in the world today, Are we blindsided? And here is the good news. Whew, praise God, good news. <laughs> I'm not a prophet of gloom and doom, so let's, let's refresh ourselves some good news. Is it okay with you? Yeah, praise God, you see. These are the good news. The number of evangelical Christians as I speak is growing 3.5 times faster than the population of the world. Isn't it amazing? Come on, let's give one a clap offering. Isn't it amazing? Wow, for the first time in history, people are flocking to the church in China, everywhere. Yes, there is persecution, but under persecution, the church grows. So the church is growing where? In Asia, Africa, Latin America, not so much in Europe. As much as 20% of Indonesia is now Christian. You know that? Come on, let's keep going to clap offering. Amen. <laughs> Revival is our doorstep. Now you wonder why God has placed us into East Malaysia, right? It's not fortuitous that they shift the, the, the capital to Kalimantan 
And my prayer is that something of the revival in Indonesia will spill over to East Malaysia. Amen? Come on, you believe this? Thank you, God, clap offering. Amen. And today, 100 years ago, 3% of Africans, today 50% of Africans consider them Christians. Evangelical Christians in South America is growing. This was only in June. 3 million Christians march in Brazil. Whoa! On one hand, the forces of darkness are growing and mastering, and yet God is going an end time harvest. What are we doing? No time to be indifferent, my friend. Listen to me very carefully. Israel will be shaken. You know that? You want to know what's happening and when the end times is approaching, look at Israel. Look at Israel. A lot of developments are going on there, so study it, look at it with interest. All right? And of all the prophecies in the Bible, many of them are fulfilled. Maybe about another 20 to 30% not yet fulfilled. Huh? And one of the prophecies in the Bible yet to be fulfilled is found in Ezekiel 38 and 39 in the battle of Gog and Mogog. If you read that two chapters in Ezekiel, you will notice a very clear description of the war that's going to come where many nations will fight against Israel and Israel will then initiate the Samson Code, which is nuclear. It's all there. And it will be fought in the valley of Armageddon in Jezreel Valley. A million tanks will there. It's huge enough, you see. Yet to be fought. You go and read Ezekiel 38 and 39. It will tell you it will take seven months for Israel to bury its dead. Seven months. And the way they bury the dead is that they may come to a bone. It tells you they will tag it and bury it later after it has been cleansed. Depends on what? Radioactivity. Now you understand how close Iran is in making a nuclear bomb. Israel's enemy number one. It never happened. 10 years ago. Hear me well. Israel will be shaken. These are some of the books. You can read it if you want. The Seven Shakings of God. That's what I'm trying to share to you today. And finally, the church will be shaken. It is absolutely inconceivable for God to judge the world. 
lay down so many things and yet spare the church. Why? Because the church is sinful, deceitful, and we distort Scripture. It is never about the size of the church. I told you that. It doesn't please God to know that tens and thousands of church flock to hear what they want to hear. No. You need to hear what you need to hear. The truth from Scripture. And God will judge the church. Because Peter says judgment must first begin with the house. Why? Because it makes sense. God is a just God. Do you think so? It's a just God. There are no double standards. So what God said for the pre-believers, all the more He says for you. Because He's going to come for a church that is blameless and without wrinkle. Amen? Ephesians 5. So it, unless you see that all of these things are truthful, it will not alarm you. But remember, it's alarm bell to wake you up, uh, sorry, to warn you, and alarm clock to wake you up. Amen? How else will the church be shaken? Matthew 24, verse 9 to verse 13. Come, read it with me. Come. Is okay? Read it with me so that everything that I shared with you today, I use scripture to back me up. Okay? All right. Read it with me. One, two, three. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Many will turn away from the faith. And deceive many people. The love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. It's interesting. It's the love of most. Will you be among them? No wonder the worries I have, honestly, is many of you falling away as a pastor. Sustainability. I mentioned that. Will you fly high last long? Or will you just cave in? Because of trying days. Many will turn away from the faith. But those who remain will be saved. Let me close. Can I have the musicians on stage? What then should be our response? Let me go back to base, baseline. There are only two things in life that last forever. Every other thing are created things. They will perish. No matter what you chase after, what grips you, what you cling to for dear life, at the end of the day, will count for nothing. But only two things remain. The Word of God, the souls of men. Only two things last forever. So if you are a smart investor, you will invest in things that last forever. Do you think so? 
stairs. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The moment you and I begin to revere God, honour Him, then we begin to see things clearly and begin to reorientate our perspective and our life. It's everything now that we do in life changes, you see. Because now what is important is the Word of God. So you begin to read the Word, soak yourselves in the Word, don't miss church because it's the only time you have the Word of God in the entire one week. And be focused on encouraging the saints. Build the house. Expand His kingdom. See, depends on what is important to you, you know. It all boils down. Who is your God? In the light of what is happening in the world today, can I encourage you? There are four responses. In the seat, we need to pray. We have the privilege of being called the sons and daughters of living God and our prayers do matter. So don't be indifferent. Oh, it doesn't affect me, it's fine. No. Pray. Pray for the church in China. In the sea, for yourself, for your family. Pray. As never before, I told the, the early dawn prayer meeting on Saturday, yesterday. And I was so encouraged that so many people came. And I said, this is a good church, man. This is a good church, man. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. Shall we do that? Come to pray. For yourself, for our country. Don't you think we need to pray for our nation? Invert. I shared with you was it a couple of weeks ago thereabouts that we need to really invert so that your spirit man now becomes a predominant part of you and yet live normally build up your spirit man why? because if you don't build up your spirit man when testing comes you collapse you are weak understand? While there is still time, you build up your spirit, man. Go to the gym and do spiritual gymnastics. Take up weights. Build up your spirit, man, so that you will not fall away. Because when the testing time comes, it's too late. Invest your time and resources in God. Don't waste it away. And involve yourselves to build God's kingdom. I'm going to close. Seven things God will shape. Can we read it together? Are you okay with you? All right. What are the seven things God will shake? Number one, God will shake the earth. Number two, number three, number four, the global financial system. Number five. Number six. And number seven. Let me close this. 
with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. See, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, listen to me very carefully. You and I have the kingdom of God inside us that can never be shaken. So, build it, develop it, focus on it. Because everything else, created things, will be shaken. It is going to happen. Are we listening? It is the alarm bell and the alarm clock. And it's ticking. Understand? Understand? Yes, I, sometimes I feel as if I'm a prophet Jeremiah, a prophet, you know, ah! It's there! It is there! Don't you see it? Listen, I, I'm asking you, just go back and reflect, right? Is that difficult? Go back, think, think, think. Consider your ways. Hey guys, say, right? Consider your ways. So let's read this as we close. Come read it with me. Hebrews 12, 28, 29, and I close. Are you ready? One, two, three. That cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Why? Amen. Amen. Come, let's all stand. Shall we do that? Hallelujah. I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to lead you in a corporate prayer in a short while. I crafted this prayer. All right. Uh, together with Pastor Susie. And just want to pray this prayer that God will protect us that God will give us discernment that God will give us a resolve understand to do something with our lives and not waste time and not take things lightly eh? because this is the word of God and this is what I shared with you what is God saying to us today amen so better listen do whatever if it needs to be done change if you need to change amen hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you Lord Oh, Raman. Let's all pray in tongues for the do Let's pray in tongues. Come and do that. Come on. Pray, pray. Respond with your spirit, man, first. Oh, Ramanda Kata da 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 we are essentially spirit beings trapped in a finite body. So let your spirit man rise. I speak to your spirit man. Rise, rise, stir, stir, stir your spirit, stir your spirit. Amen. Oh, Ramanda Katara, stir, stir your spirit. Oh, let your spirit be stirred. Oh, and you know. Because the Holy Spirit inside you will tell you what I've shared with you is the truth. It's the truth. And the truth will set you free. Free from the shackles of everything that grips you so that your mindset will be changed. Hallelujah. Your devotion will be changed. Amen. Come on, come on, church, come on. Let your spirit man rise, rise and connect with the Spirit of God. 
because God has put eternity in us. We are different from animals. We are made in the image of God. Oh, Come on, do it another couple of more minutes. Oh, Oh, Hallelujah, Lord. Shanda Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to pray, God, that we will not lose it all or miss it all. But Father, let us hold fast and unswervingly to the hope that we profess. It's a hope, Lord. For he who promised is faithful. And help us, Lord, to consider how we may put and spur one another towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But instead, let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Capital D. It's time, church, for us to reorientate and relook at all our value system in the light of Scripture, in the light of world events and the remaining days of our life. Love God. Serve Him in whatever way that we have. Hallelujah. Pray this prayer with me. Are you ready? One, two, three. Father God, you are Emmanuel, God who is with me. You will never leave me nor forsake me. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the Father's oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Father God, if you are for me, who can be against me? You who is in me is greater than he that is in the world. You did not spare your own son, but gave him up for me. How would you not also, along with him, graciously give me all things? Father, you are God who is love. I pray that I be rooted and be established in your love. There is no fear in love. Your perfect love casts out all fears. Thank you, Father. Spirit of fear, but of power, but of love, and of a sound mind. Thank you, Father, for the finished work of Jesus on the cross. I receive with gratefulness and thankfulness that finished work of the blood of Jesus poured out for me. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for 
Amen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, let's give God a God the cloud offering. Amen. Spend a moment of quietness before God, before we close. God is thundering a message, my friend. Are we listening? Are we listening? How many more times must God speak before we heed? How many more times? Spend a moment of quietness before God, every one of you. Every one of you without fear. You need to close your eyes, close your eyes and connect with God, spirit to spirit, heart to heart. And allow Him to continue to speak to you. Till you obey. you telling you while there is yet time if you have to repent you repent but whatever you need to do these are unusual and uncertain days don't waste it away chasing after shadows Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for the eternal Word of God that has been released. Thank you, Lord. It's not the words of men. It's the words of God. When God speaks, we listen and we obey. Thank you, Father, for being with us this morning. Separate us now with your blessing. Bring us safely home. Bless your families. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord make His face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards each and every one of you. And always, always without fail, grant you peace and shalom. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Now God's people say aloud. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering. Amen.